Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Um, good morning, good night to our friends listening in from the United States. Um, hi, Canada. I made some Canada jokes last week, and I actually got a letter about it, uh, all in good fun. I said, how nice you are. Boketov, Eretz Yisrael. Lot to talk about, lot to share about our existence with the rest of the world. Okay, so kolakavo to you Israelis listening in, you brave, moral, accurate human beings. Australia is with us this morning. Good day. How'd I do? And Spain is here this morning. Malaysia is with us. Every once in a while, Malaysia pops in. Happy to have you live. And other. That must be the KGB. Happy to have you with us. I just recently got a note also when I found out that um, Slovakia listens in quite regularly to the live show. So it's very, very nice. Okay, I hope I'm trying to keep my mouth by the mic. I have notes all over the place. So much to share. And you know what? If you didn't want to know what was going on in Israel, what is really going on in Israel, you wouldn't be listening to this holy station. Because if you want to have your finger on the pulse of the vibrant, incredible front row seat to Jewish yesterday, Jewish today, and Jewish tomorrow, this is the place to put your computer cursor. Um, Got a call yesterday morning. I actually got two phone calls that I want to throw past you. One call was, um, I'd have to look it up on my phone. It was 7.0-something, 7.0-something in the morning. And the Israelis know where I'm going with this. And it was my grandson, who is so busy in yeshiva, that he, I've got to actually let you know. Let me just tell you what time he called me in the morning. Yesterday morning, oh, it was 8.17. Huh. 8.17 in the morning. I picked up, I said, yeah, hi, good morning, Akiva. And he said, Grandma, I'm safe. And uh, he's a little bit of a jokester, but I said, okay. And he said, I'm on my way back home. I can't get to school. Uh, We can't pass. And immediately I opened up and um, was alerted to the early morning bus bombing um, in Jerusalem yesterday morning, actually at the entrance of Ramot, where I used to live. It's a massive, massive um, intersection, thorough section. Uh, where several highways connect and people come in from all over Israel to go there and then branch off to different places. Very religious area uh, demographically and tons and tons and tons of observant Jews, including lots of yeshiva students, female seminary students, um, national service holy people on their way and as of this morning uh so far one is dead three are fighting for their lives many injured the hospitals are full and life in israel goes on and then there was a second phone call i got second phone call from a friend recent recent ola just came to israel and she used to call me all the time um from overseas. What do you know? What do I tell my friends? People ask me, what is it? And she said to me, Andrea, I'm scared. I'm scared. This is the first terrorist attack since I've made Aliyah. How should I conduct myself? Um, You know, how should I go on? Uh, Should I be more careful? Should I be frightened? Should I stay in the house? Should I not go shopping? Should I order online? I'm not mocking. Fair questions. Accurate questions. And I will say, first of all, to anyone who asks that question, the first right thing you did, jump up and down, breathe in, breathe out, shout, I am alive, moda ani lefanecha, thank you, God, for returning my soul, and thank you for allowing me to be a moral 
giant who moved home, who came here. Many people who make Aliyah to Israel, a lot of them are very, very wealthy. I have to tell you, I live in an area where they're building very, very stunning luxury um, high-rise buildings. You never have to learn it, uh, Hebrew because you really kind of live on with this American existence, and I am not mocking it. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing because they are here in Israel, and you know what? Their children and their grandchildren are Israelis. But I will say this to you. Many of them were the laughing stocks of their Western communities when they announced, we're going to move to Israel. Some of them were planning on retiring in Israel, a very luxury existence. But they had children living here, many of them. There were many, they were laughing. What are you going to do there? You'll never speak Hebrew. Israelis are so rude. The terror, you got to be careful. There's really no good Chinese food in Israel. I can go down and down and down and down and on the list. And I say to anybody who's flirting with the idea of moving to Israel, but is scared what the other guys will say, they're frightened of all the negative feedback they'll get, the holiest, holiest thing one could do right now is be the laughing stock and do the right thing. Someone wrote me a letter yesterday. Someone close to my family, close to me, and wrote and said, what's going on in Israel? I don't know why I got so angry. I felt anger. And I sent her the link. I sent her the links. I'm not a walking. I thought to myself, well, what am I like, you know, UP, UPI, 24-7, United Press International. You know, I just sent her the links. And then she wrote back and said, oi, so scary. We're davening. It's important. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid I should spit in the face of those who are davening for us. Oh, davening is prayer. To daven, to pray. But you know what? Your prayers are appreciated. It's time to move to Israel. You know, there are some times when you have, and I mean this week, I don't know, the show, this is the week if ever a show needed to be three times as long, it's this week because there's just so much material to cover. What is going on in America today, and I could talk about America because it's from where I hail, what is happening this week in New Jersey and what happened in Philadelphia and what is happening in the streets of New York and Jews are under siege. And when I see a note that goes up on Facebook, written in all sincerity from Jewish friends, and they say, wow, it's getting scary here. It's time to move to Israel. Did you ever take a moment and think about just how insulting that is? That we move to Israel, but when things are good, Israel ain't no place for us. Only as a refuge, only as a haven, only if we are under siege in Hoboken. Israel will be as wonderful and as prosperous and as moral and as directed and as holy as those of us who make it our home choose to make it. So even those who post from Israel and they write, who, safe in Israel. I know I saw it during Hurricane Katrina. I saw it in the hurricanes in um, Florida, safe in Boca, safe in New Orleans, safe in, I get it, safe in Jerusalem. But remember, there's something that feels a little smarmy about saying safe in Jerusalem, while other families 
are sitting shiva. There, but for the grace of God goes every one of us. And my whoo is on someone else's heartache. And if the family of Arya Shopak is not safe in Jerusalem, then I am not safe in Jerusalem. And if you feel good that you weren't there or don't know anyone who was in yesterday's carnage, then you're missing the point. And we have to work stronger together. And when my friend said, what do we do? What do I think? My answer was, you thrive, you live, you defy, you own your own truth. God said it is ours. Where do we come off? Second guessing God. And then my friend asked me, she said, but Andrea, aren't you scared? And you know what? I had to think. And the answer is no. Never. Faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle that needs exercise. And once you exercise that muscle, you work it out, you throw it on the treadmill, you will never be a victim of fear. This morning, I'm angry, proactive, not apologetic, and angry. My name is Andrea Simintov. Guess what? I'll see you on the other side. back. Andrea Semenchov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I think, you know, I do speak kind of rapidly, but I think today I'm going to be speaking super rapidly. There's so much I want to talk about. And one thing I wanted to make clear, my friend who's asking these questions and is very frightened, and believe me, it is very scary when you make Aliyah and suddenly you find yourself in bomb shelters, suddenly you find yourself getting off of a bus, suddenly you find yourself running. I remember once during the last intifada, not dissimilar to the feelings of yesterday, I remember once running into a fabric store with my little girl, uh, my then seven-year-old. I was taking her to dance class and we heard the bombs going off. I don't remember if it was on Melech George, King George Street or on Ben Yehuda. And we ran into a fabric store and we hid under bolts of fabric, behind bolts of fabric that were standing up. And we saw under each adjacent bolt was another person. Um, And my friend is right to ask these questions. But I say, fear of living in Israel, anytime fear, apprehension, the worst reason to do or not do something. All right. I get some of my best stuff. I have to tell you, I do get a lot of my best stuff from, um, uh, what do you call social media postings. And I wanted to, I saw something yesterday and I couldn't find it as I was putting the show together, but it had something to do with like a target or, or they were aiming for me. And the idea behind this post, if anybody knows the, it was somebody living in Israel who did a post on her Facebook wall and she said like, I was the target or they were aiming for me. And the idea behind it was um, that there's, there's, there's no selection in this rage, this aberrant, this perverted, um, um, born of sickness rage. The irony is, I mean, even Ramot, you know, when, when the excuses, when they sit and they say, well, you know, it's the Israeli military we're against. Ramote has a lot of people that are not in the army, many who are, but many who are conscientious religious objectors. They don't go in. So there's no rationale. And the minute you say, 
why? But why? You are empowering your enemy. You know, if any of what I'm discussing this morning, oh, by the way, Iran joined us this morning. Good morning, Iran. Um, if any of this, if somehow you are not disgusted, repulsed, furious to the point of having deep, deep, oh, I made a mistake. <laughs> it's Iraq that's with us this morning. Good morning, Iraq. Sloppy. Okay, my bad. You're with us. We have what to say about Iran this morning, not Iraq. Um, you know, when we say that every human being is a world and the loss of every human being means the loss of a world. Ariel, I'm going to say his name wrong because he's been mis misspelled in everything. Here's a spelling, Chechpotak, Chechpotak, Ariel Chechpotak. Let me tell you something. 16 years old. In what universe, in what oxymoronic culture do you celebrate the death of one so innocent take away rob another of god's creations you rob a future you take away the children he will never have the wife he will never love his parents forever happily ever after what sick perversion you know a lot of people had what to say about last uh, two weeks ago the elections in Israel and I'm going to tell you something the pacifists among us and God knows in Israel we have so many many of them are in my own family although they're still invited to the table and um, the fact is we cannot have peace with a people who celebrate death, not just our death, but mostly our death. But they're taught from birth to hate and they make it known that they want to wipe us out. I have trouble juxtaposing it. I do. I spent a lot of time this week in um, Hadassah Hospital, the Ain Karim branch. And you know, it's very, very difficult to, to juxtapose the sweet faces and the giving and the generosity of the Arab staff members who both are taking care of Arab patients and Jewish patients. I sat in actually on a medical consultation and so many of the doctors or the, the, um, the, the medical residents opining were Arabs brilliant, wonderful, compassionate, terrific. I don't know what's going on when they're eating dinner or what their thoughts are, but they're conducting themselves like mansion, mensch, menches, human beings. But if you're teaching your children and you're not standing up, you are complicit. Are they complicit? to a culture that teaches them to despise, to wipe us out. And the truth is, they hate us. Stop coming up with fancy languages and excuses. There's no issue about land. The issue is Jews. Peace is a pipe dream. It is a pipe dream as long as Islam teaches that the destruction of Israel is the end game. I'm so sad to say this. Tough decisions regarding Muslims who live in Israel have to be made if Israelis are to have peace and safety inside our God-given homeland. All the blah, 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 political correctness. It's no longer an option. They know. 
They know who's on the bus at seven o'clock in the morning. Children going to school. Parents going to work. The same parents who pay taxes and educate their children and are moral, the salt of the earth individuals. Blowing up a bus stop? These are the kind of events. These are the kind of events that chant, that target Jewish institutions. This is called terrorism. When my friend called me and said, what do I do? She was terrified. And terrorism works. It empties our restaurants. It empties our schools. COVID was terrifying. It emptied the world. Imagine shrapnel. Kids. Kids. Anybody listening to this show, thankfully you don't dare write to me and try to justify your thinking. Because if you support any terrorist group, you are complicit. Your hands are dripping with blood. When you, anyone listening, who thinks that a PLO flag has any place in the United Nations or on Fifth Avenue, understand you are supporting terrorism. It is not all fair. Dead kids, bloodshed. And I want to say something to my friends who say to me, oh, we're davening. I get it. But let me tell you this. Hand wringing, accompanied by silence, lip biting, followed with silence, head shaking and tear shedding, coupled with silence, is tantamount to complicity. Remaining silent in the face of unbridled terrorism, you know what it means? It means taking a stand, a vote for continued carnage. And I ask you, when we stand at the gates of heaven in 120 years and are asked, what did you do while Jews were being slaughtered? Will the answer be, whew, I kept quiet. I didn't make waves. And to those who ask, why? Why do they do this? I beg you to understand. The question of why validates it gives weight to rationale. Please, friends of Israel, friends of Jews, my friends, don't do this. Do not validate or give consideration to those who despise you and take delight in being offered a platform to plead their case. There is no case for cowardice, the kind of cowardice that butchers innocence. Talking about being under siege, just a little bit aside from yesterday's um, bus attacks, we're all under siege. It's not enough that we have the most righteous, the most moral, the most terrific army in the world. Once again, walking the dog this morning, I open up the mailbox because every week I get some Torah mailings, Erev Shabbos, which helped me spice together this show. I receive another, I'm not going to tell you the email, more missionary material. And you know what? They're getting better. They're so good. They emulate Chabad in so many ways. They ask all the right questions and it's out in Hebrew. You know why? The Westerners are on to them. They get it. But now... It's the Israeli souls thereafter. And I am looking, it looks absolutely like the kind of material that would be sent out by blessed Aisha Torah. We are under siege. And I want to say this to you because a lot of Christian friends and even missionary friends listen to this show. 
and I know your friends love us enough to leave us alone. Please do not whore yourselves in our mailboxes, in our classrooms, and on the buses. Love us enough to respect us for who we are. My name is Andrea Simmons-Jones. Wait, see you on the other side. Pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I want to wish. Let me just see. I have all these great notes. What do I do with all these notes? I want to wish everybody in America a happy Thanksgiving. I must tell you, Thanksgiving. Um, we didn't do Thanksgiving once I made Aliyah because it was just too much food to have the kind of <laughs> that, that Thanksgiving dinner with the uh, tryptophan fog out after the meal on a Thursday night, and then I have to be ready for Shabbos. So what so many people here do, and uh, to you Israelis listening in, Israeli Americans, a lot of us this Shabbos are doing Thanksgiving Shabbos. So we kind of do the, um, the, the, um, the melded thing, the Israeli American thing. And uh, oh, I heard there was like a joke. It's, it's not really a very funny joke. My mother, who's 93 and in a senior residence, thought it was a very funny joke. So maybe I'll share this with you. A turkey is 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 running running away, running fast, and with him is a chicken. And he turns to the chicken and says, I can't stand it. This is so such a dangerous time for us. Oh, how I wish I were a chicken. And the chicken says, What are you talking about? Did you ever hear of Shabbos? Stick a dish. Okay, that's my that's my nerdy joke, my Thanksgiving joke for today. And um, came across a great, just to throw it out, there was a lovely article this morning. I don't know Alan B. Coleman. He's a writer and he's a pundit. And he wrote in this morning's New York Post. And I'm just taking out the last paragraph because he was talking about um, – how in America, how wonderful the things to be grateful that you don't have this Thanksgiving. And he was talking about the kind of trauma, the kind of travail that made America a, a, a haven, a safe place for so many people under siege around the world. And he ends his article, this Thanksgiving article, and this will be my, uh, my Thanksgiving tribute because I could not have said it better. He ends his article, and oh, by the way, anybody who wants any um, any piece of today's program, a reference to any articles that I cite, well, I don't, I'm not really reading any. I'll have two articles now to cite. Uh, please drop me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I really do love receiving your mail and writing back and sending, passing forward your letters to the powers here that be to let them know how brilliant and they should continue paying me this massive salary. Okay, so that was like a joke. Everybody's supposed to chuckle. All right. (laughs) On Thanksgiving by Alan B. Coleman, and this is the end. He says, the word privileged has been overused and misappropriated in recent years, but I believe this is one of the times where it is applicable to say this, Americans are privileged to have their basics met. And if they aren't met, we are privileged to have resources for fighting for these high standards. I am very conscious that it's a privilege to be annoyed the one time of the year there's a power adage in my home, when in other nations, the power can remain off for days at a time. I'm aware that when I enter a grocery store, the abundance of food and product selections is nowhere near the same just south of America in communist Cuba. It's not lost on me that the warm shower I expect daily is a luxury for many. I recognize that I have so much of what other people want, and I do my best not to take those things for granted. You don't need a passport to learn the perspectives of people who've come from less fortunate situations. You simply have to listen to your neighbor who has gone through hell and made it into the arms of America. 
The immigrants to our nation have a story to tell and warnings for us to heed. It's about time we listen to them and be thankful for their messages. I love that. And I have to tell you, as I always say, you can find Torah everywhere. And Alan B. Coleman this morning issued quite a bit of Torah. Um, all right. We'd like to do our, oh yeah. So just to kind of finish on my rant, my, my two segment rant today, um, that as I referred to that Jewish day schools this week in Pennsylvania and Texas, um, were evacuated over bomb threats. I know what's going on in New York and what I'm just asking, what I referred to at the beginning of the show, and I just must reiterate which I think is oxymoronic. Doesn't iterate mean to repeat? So are you reiterating, re-repeating? Okay, just a question. Anybody has any thoughts on that? Write to me. Um, what kind of parenting we've been entrusted? We're going to talk a little bit about parenting when we do the Parsha stuff in a few moments. We've been entrusted to parent, to guide, to raise our children, bet selem elokim, in God's image, the way God would reach out and love and guide us, even, even taking Avraham Avinu, Abraham our father, from what he knew and sending him into the great beyond, the great unknown, unknown because it was a moral decision and the right decision. And when you're a parent with children, in Texas or in Philadelphia or in New Jersey, and the school is shut down because of bomb threats. What do you tell your children over the Shabbos table when they say, Mommy, I'm scared. Daddy, they hate us. Do you tell them what you want to believe? It'll be all right. Or do you eat crow and say, we have a Jewish option. We are no longer welcome at this holy American table. The Mizbeach, the altar of refuge. Perhaps, just perhaps, the welcome mat is being pulled back in and daddy's going to be a chnuni, a nerd, a dweeb and pursue doing the right thing for the Jewish future of my children and my grandchildren. And there will be fights. I have a client came to me two weeks ago. We were laughing. She said her husband brought her to Israel kicking and screaming. And every time there's something material that she wants or somewhere that she wants to go or something like that, she says to him, you owe me. And we made a joke and we said, even on her best days in Israel, which, which quite surprisingly, she is loving. She can't quite admit it to her husband that her life is joyous. But you come to Israel, you come to the flesh pots of Israel, or you come to the absorption villages in Israel. You take a job, a high price, price job in high tech in Israel or you take a job, a lower paid job, ba babysitting, cleaning. But you leave and live a legacy. Okay, I think you know where I'm holding. I think <laughs> I think you know where I stand on. Is Aliyah for everyone? Um, yeah. Okay, we have a few. You know what? We're going to save. Next week we'll do. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be safe. Hopefully, we will assuage just a tad of the rage and we'll do a whole bunch of woohoo moments. I want to get into the Devar Torah stuff because it's creepy. It's downright creepy. It's creepy in its holiness, how it always talks to the situation of today. And um, I want to just, because I don't want to get it lost in the passion of the Devar Torah, I want to just throw out two things. First of all, there's a thought to ponder to everybody who's listening in. Okay, I'm looking up here. Um, I was saying my Psalms, Tehillim, we call them in, in Hebrew, Tehillim. I actually named one of my daughters Tehillah, a Psalm. 
And in Psalm number 16, line 8, which I have been saying ad nauseum for years and years, it suddenly jumped out at me. And the word um, shiviti, shiviti, we say it in the line, um, 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 I have set God before me always. And the word shivit is from the root shaveh. We say, oh, it's so shaveh. It's worth it, we mean. But the idea of something being worth it means it is equal. The word shaveh is equal. Hashem is with us in whatever position we find ourselves. Understand, I have set God is equal no matter where I find myself. He does not disdain us for being too lowly to concern himself with. God is never above us. He's never beyond us. He is always close to us. We are Shaveh. If only we ourselves could drop that pretentiousness and behave more in God's image. We're preparing for Shabbos already. It's Wednesday night in some places, but in my house, we already have the soup going because I need to skim the fat because, you know, the cholesterol thing. Anyway, so this week at my Shabbos table, I want to share this with you, and perhaps you will share it at your Shabbos table. When um, when when Rivka, Rebecca, we're going to use the Hebrew names, when Rebecca hears of her son Esau, Esav, his plans to kill his brother, Yaakov, which is Jacob. She implores Jacob, flee, flee to my brother Levan in Haran. I think Levan is Leban, Leban is the English transliteration. Okay. She says, and she says in Hebrew, my, my, my translations are always faulty. Okay. She says, until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you have done to him. So Rabbi Zalman Sorotskin says in his writings, uh, he wrote uh, a, a commentary called um, um, Oz, Oznaim la Torah, the ears of Torah, Oznaim. We imagine that forgetfulness generally causes anger to abate. So the order here kind of seems reversed. It appears that the Torah is teaching us a lesson about human character. As long as a person keeps his anger burning, he's going to be able to, he's not going to be able to forget a wrong that was done to him. So first, he has to consciously quell that anger within him. And only then does he have a hope of being able to forget. But now we have a reverse. Um, oh, my typing was so bad. <laughs> Rabbeinu Pincus Goldvith. Goldwith, I'll have to go over my notes and see who this was. Um, there's another footnote that actually is a little bit opposite of these words. And it says, in human relationships, there is mutual reciprocation. Love breeds love and hatred breeds hatred. So at your Shabbos table this week, maybe discuss these two commentaries. Um, this week's Parsha is called I know that in my business, I meet with so many parents, um, so many moms, and we all say the same thing. <laughs> I do not have perfect children. You know that obno obnoxious neighbor with perfect children? Hat tip. They ain't. Okay, anyway, so this week's Parsha is a perfect illus illustration of this truism of life and family. You know, there was very little that Yitzchak and Rivka could do to, to, to enforce their way of life onto Esav and to raise his level of morality. Maybe, just maybe, he was incapable of a moral improvement from the moment he was born. Say what? You know, according to Rabbi Wine, there existed, and, and maybe there still exists, a great debate about, um, what is it, nature and nurture, genetic, uh, genetic makeup, social, family environment. How much of it um, determines a child's personality and their behavior patterns? Because no matter how we judge this question, it really is. It's not a question that's easily answered. 
Yitzhak and Rivka, they parented Esav and they raised him in a very holy home. So this is perhaps one of the Torah's prime examples of the power of freedom of choice that children and all human beings possess. I know that we discuss this constantly in my studio. Parents sit and say, you know, they're making choices that I would not have chosen for them. My child is no longer religious. My child is no longer this. My child is no longer that. And what happens? We berate ourselves over our children's, shall we say, discordant behavior. I don't want to say bad behavior, but, you know, we ascribe too much power to parents, perhaps, in raising children. Family, environment, of course it's important. But a child's choices are going to trump all other factors and circumstances. This is why we have an ASAV emerging from the house and family of Yitzchak and Rivka. You know, whether Esav was genetically or environmentally influenced, he was a free agent. We all are. And we all have the opportunity to choose between good and evil, peace, violence, compassion, cruelty. The choices that Esav made were his choices alone. Somehow, heaven also must have taken into account the heartbreak of Yitzchak and Rivka over Esau's behavior. There's a tendency in our modern world, I don't know if you agree, but drop me a note. We try and understand and sympathize with that evil one, i.e., back to the beginning of this show, at the expense of the good and the moral and the victims of evil. The Torah does not give rounds of applause to this kind of misplaced compassion. Rivka makes a painful decision, a decision that actually haunts me year after year, and I'm not quite at peace with it in my flesh and blood humanity. She abandons Esav, and she saves Yaakov. But you know what? By doing so, she ensures the civilization of the human race. Tough stuff. You know, the rabbis of the Talmud, they declared that children, having them, raising them, how they turn out. A lot of it depends on mazel, good fortune, good luck. This is the Parsha with these twins, Yaakov and Esav. They're described, they're contrasted in this cryptic statement. You know, in the 19th century, my husband is always referring this to me. You know, those of us who grew up on Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> a lot of us, oh my gosh, the shtetl in Europe, they were all religious. And then when they came, when they left, maybe a few of them went to Warsaw and became not religious. A few of them became enlightenment. I've read everything. Well, not everything, but I've read a lot of Isaac Bashevis Singer. And I said, oh my, like a few of them were renegades, you know? And my husband is always saying to me, they weren't all religious. Well, Rabbi Wine agrees. And he says that in 19th century, um, entire generations and communities of Jewish children turned their backs to Torah life and traditional values. We're talking about the 1800s. It was due to a certain degree, the um, there were terrible deficiencies in Jewish life. There was terrible poverty. There was governmental persecution, pogrom, social discrimination, and also like a backwardness in their society. But Rabbi Wine opines that the major driving force Force of the secularization of the Jewish society at that time was what he calls the Zitgeist, the prevailing spirit of the times that was then dominant in European society and life. Hmm. Zitgeist. Is that another word for Instagram? Facebook? Twitter? Maybe this is the Zitgeist. This is the mazal that the rabbis spoke of. Because we're all products of the ideas and times in which we live. We're 
We are influenced by everything. I know people that do not read a newspaper, do not listen to the news. They get all of their updated political opinions, all their information from those they hopefully respect via Facebook. Say what? There are those like Yaakov who are able to shut out most of that outside world. They sit in their tents of Torah for decades on end. And Asav, who didn't have that ability to sit for years in the tents of study, although he had the opportunity, he was swept away by the mora, you know, the mores of the Canaanites. He was swept away by the zitzkeit of Yishmael and the allure of power and wealth. Following the rov, following the social patterns of the world is never an excuse for immoral behavior and in the eyes of Torah. But it can perhaps explain what's happening to our children. I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer of how you shut it out, how you shut it down. But maybe by making our Shabbos table a mizbeach, an altar, is a good place to start. All right, now we get down to the meat and the potatoes. Stay with me. The conflicts of this Parsha, they are continuous. They are difficult. And they are surrounded, however, by a concept of bracha, blessing. The fighters in this story, they all know that the ultimate winner will possess a source of never-ending and abundant blessing. To that end, it's very important to understand what is the Torah concept of beracha, blessing. Rabbeinu Bachya discusses this concept as it relates to this week's Parsha, Torah portion. Quoting the text, and make for me delicacies the way I like it, and bring it to me to eat so that I can bless you before I die. This is Isaac, this is Yitzchak talking. The standard interpretation for the need of good food is that a person must be physically comfortable before a blessing can be conferred. Quote, the Shechina, the the Holy Spirit does not rest on the lazy one or the sad, but only through happiness. So in addition, Rabbi Bachia points out the connection between this constant use of the word Nefesh, the spirit, and Baracha, blessing. Because now, as we see it, the Holy Spirit of blessing, known as Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, it cannot exist without physical contentment and blessing. Rabbeinu does not stop with this observation as he makes another, at least in my mind's eye, a fascinating connection that should allow us to focus on the true meaning of blessing in our lives. Can anybody hear my excitement as I'm handing this over? I'm absolutely crazed by this. He maintains that since the ultimate blessing from Yitzchak to Yaakov was a physical one, as the Torah says, from the dew of the heavens and the fat of the earth, much grain and wine. Yitzchak insisted on that setting in which the bracha, the blessing, would be bestowed. It should also include physical abundance. Asceticism is not a Jewish thing. Deprivation, it's not who we are. The eating of the delicious meal served as a background for the blessing of physical wealth. From this, Rabbeinu Bachia derives a rule regarding blessings. The only blessings available in this world are ones that attach themselves to mitzvahs. Consequently, the person who is careful about the mitzvah of tzitzit, the ritual fringes, he will be blessed with fine clothing. He who is meticulous concerning the mitzvah of mezuzah on his house he will deserve a fine abode. In this world, true blessing and avodat Hashem, service to God, go hand in hand. 
It's only a short leap of faith to go from this to the saying in Pirkei Avot, ethics of our father, the reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. If we create the proper environment for the performance of Torah and mitzvot, if we care enough to try to elevate our lives towards the attainment of Torah and mitzvot, then the master of the universe will simply allow that environment to prosper and grow more beautiful with each passing day. Keeping this in mind, my friends, the nature of the struggles in the Parsha, this week's portion, the struggle for a little blessing in our lives, it becomes so clear. The conflict for brachot, for additional blessings, is a physical conflict, a spiritual conflict. It's all-consuming, and of course, it never ends. For all of us, may we merit the blessing of Yitzchak. May we merit an abundance of spirituality in a setting of splendor. From the bottom of my heart, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom umivorach from Jerusalem. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 